Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Strata. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Good morning. This is Griffin, and I've got today Luke with Atlanta United. Luke, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Griffin. How are you doing? I can't complain. How's your week coming along? Uh, everything's going good. Um, you know, I mean, it's always interesting when you have a team that, that trains outside on, on these cold days, uh, but outside of that, things are, are going well. There you go. Well, jumping right into it, uh, give me a little bit uh, about yourself, your background, um, just who you are professionally and personally. Yeah, um, you know, all, all of my experiences come uh, really related to event and facility management uh, in the field of sports. I, I went to the University of South Carolina and I, I studied sport and entertainment management there. Um, did a couple of internships as a part of my degree and then um, almost immediately started working at Kennesaw State University doing their uh, events and facilities in the athletic department. Um, had similar roles at, at two other smaller Division One schools, Sam Houston State in Texas and, and Northwestern State in Louisiana. I uh, also worked uh, at the University of Kentucky. That was a, a little more of uh, an event management role, um, but got to uh, work a little with their facilities there, opened a $126 million renovation of, of Commonwealth Stadium. I know people don't think of Kentucky football school, but they made good good football investments there. Um, and then on the basketball side, which of course Kentucky's famous for, I, I got to run a couple events in, in Rupp Arena, uh, which was uh, obviously a, a fantastic experience. Uh, I then came to Atlanta United. Um, I've been with the club uh, for all four of our seasons um, since our, our training facility opened. I've uh, managed the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta training ground. It's a $60 million, 33-acre facility. Uh, obviously, um, we're very team-centric here. We have uh, a locker room, a gym, a cafeteria, all the things that you would expect uh, that world-class, world-class athletes would need. Uh, we have six fields at our facility. Three are natural grass, three are artificial turf. Um, and then we have uh, office areas and, and things like that, um, some event spaces as well. Um, so my job is uh, really overseeing that and, and overseeing the events and, and some of our contractors. Um, and then I have a building superintendent and a head groundskeeper who both report to me, who they do the real work. Our building superintendent <laughs> does all of our HVAC and he's, uh, he's an electrician by trade and, and he does all the incredible things. And obviously our grounds boys work so hard outside. I mean, it frees me up to get to do the fun stuff like uh, events and, and overseeing things and, and sort of planning for, for big picture and renovations and expansions. Very cool. And, and I imagine just with everything you listed with Atlanta United, uh, between the outdoor facilities and you know the state-of-the-art facilities that you're dealing with, with the gym, locker rooms, et cetera, this has got to be the most interesting and diverse portfolio uh, that you've managed uh, throughout your career, just with everything you guys have at Atlanta United right now. It, it, it certainly is. Um, you know, it, it's a little different working in college athletic departments. Um, you may manage seven or eight facilities. You may have a, a baseball stadium and a softball stadium and, and an arena. Um, but almost all of that is kind of combined in our one complex. Uh, and it's really interesting uh, to go really deep on one facility and, and in one sport, as opposed to kind of bouncing around and dealing with the different sports and being pulled in so many different directions with, with so many different buildings. And just you growing up, were you dedicated to one sport in particular? Did you grow up playing soccer and now on, uh, you find yourself managing a soccer facility or uh, were you all over the place? I imagine growing up, you love sports if uh, you went with this career path. 
You know, I, I certainly did love sports growing up. Um, when I was uh, seven years old, the Olympics came to Atlanta, and uh, that's that's the reason that I work in sports. Uh, my dad uh, was able to take me to, to eight different events, and we saw track and, and baseball, and we saw random stuff like judo and badminton. And um, I, I absolutely fell in love uh, with that environment. Um, and as a seven-year-old, I thought it was the, the greatest thing in the world, but all I heard was that people were volunteering with the Olympics. It took me until I was about 10 to realize you could get paid to work in this industry because I thought working in sports is so cool. How could you ever get paid to do this for a living? Mm-hmm. And so ever since I realized that, I, I have wanted to work in this field. I played a little bit of everything growing up. Um, I ran track in high school and, and was pretty competitive in that, um, but uh, was never much of a soccer player, um, which is interesting around this building. Our, our technical director is Carlos Bocanegra, who uh, was a captain of the U.S. men's national team in a World Cup. Um, we have people who played at, at Ivy League schools. Um, some of our, our former people were uh, all ACC players, and, and we get out and, and we'll play staff soccer sometimes, and people are talking about where they played. And, you know, I played on the blue team when I was five years old. <laughs> kind of the best thing that I have. <laughs> I, I hope they have some participation trophies uh, with the staff <laughs> games for you. Yeah, no, no participation trophy for staff soccer. It's very upset. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, taking a step back, what, what I caught my attention, you mentioned at 10, you realized that you can get paid to work in the sports. Is th- That was a moment where you really decided to, to nail down that you wanted to get into the industry and um, taking a step further. How'd you get to facilities management within uh, athletics? Yeah. So, you know, there are so many different ways you can kind of go in sports. You can, you can go into marketing or, or ticket sales or uh, communication, sports information, um, compliance at the NCAA level. There, there are all of these different things that you can do. And I kind of thought back on, on why I love sports. I thought back on those Olympus I just talked about. I thought back on um, great times with, with high school buddies that I'm still friends with on, on Friday nights. I, I thought about um, Saturdays at, at Williams Rice Stadium in South Carolina, and you know the Gamecocks didn't didn't win a, a ton of games, but I had a time at least. And um, all of those experiences really kind of shaped who I was. And you know, all of the best experiences of my life came at, at events like that. And that's why I wanted to work in event and facility management because I wanted to be able to to share those experiences with people. And if that's on the event side, sharing it with the guest and and doing that. If it's on the facility side. It's sharing that experience and making the best experience possible for our players and our staff. And so um, being in this unique role where I'm able to create experiences for, for people, especially experiences that I feel like shaped my life, um, is just so powerful. And, and that's what really drew me uh, to, to this field. And specifically within facilities management, tell me how you got into narrowing it down into the facilities. I know you started out and did some events, um, you know, in, in a few earlier positions, but uh, now specifically around facilities management, how'd you make that transition? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, when I did internships, I worked at, at smaller schools and was able to do a little bit of everything and kind of get really broad experience. Um, and, and like I said, gravitated to, to this area. Um, and then was able to, to sort of narrow my focus as I went along. Um, at, at Kennesaw State, it was kind of a combined role, um, same at, at Sam Houston and, and Northwestern State. Um, the, the last two were a little more facility-oriented facility um, and, and was able to, to step into this role with Atlanta United. Um, really, uh, I, I got lucky. Um, you know, they, they wanted somebody who, um, you know, knew the sports industry and, and had worked in, in facilities and had done events as well. That's that's a big part of, uh, of my role here is hosting 
uh, events. Obviously not not now in the time of COVID, but uh, prior we did all kind of events and tours and things. And um, I have a very forward facing role for a facility manager. So they wanted someone who had that experience um, and then someone who um, you know knew this area, knew Marietta. And I grew up about five miles from this facility um, and was lucky enough to, to get to come home and, and work here. Um, so, you know, it was a combination of, of you know, hard work and, and moving on to the next role um, and then catching a good break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that's part of everybody's story and how they get into the career that they're in. Um, so with education and specifically going there, um, what recommendation would you have on someone interested in facilities management, uh, whether it be getting a college degree, what kind of programs are available or uh, different certifications that you recommend? Yeah, um, you know, that that's such an, an interesting question because there are so many different paths you can take there. Um, obviously, I'm tied in very closely with the sports industry and I'm actually pursuing a PhD in sport management right now. Um, and my dissertation topic will be heavily related to facility management and actually how it influences guest experience. Um, so that's not a, a traditional path for a facility manager, but, but it works for me. Um, and then likewise, um, there are plenty of, of degree programs out there. Um, I'm pretty involved with IFMA Atlanta and IFMA has accredited degree programs where they work with uh, universities to establish degrees that kind of meet um, what IFMA believes facility managers need. Um, so all of those programs are, are, are very good. Um, Georgia Tech actually has one. Kennesaw State is involved in that as well um, through their um, Southern Poly College of Engineering. So there are, are options there. Um, but, you know, education isn't isn't always the, the way as well. Um, you know, a, a big thing in, in our industry is is obviously tradesmen moving up and, and gaining experience. And, you know, if there's a young person who wants to do that, um, you know, you can can come out of college or you can come out of high school making um, good money uh, in a trade and not pick up college debt and all of that. I mean, you know, as things continue to kind of change um, in the higher education front, I'll be really interested to see what happens in the next couple of years. Um, but the, the good thing with our industry is um, you can can make it without a degree because there are so many certifications. Um, IFMA has um, several good ones, uh, as does BOMA. And uh, th there are certifications out there um, to kind of help with that management side. Um, so th there's all kinds of things out there. I mean, the biggest thing that, that I would suggest is to, to have a, a management and a business background. And, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you need a, an MBA or, or even a, a bachelor's of business. Um, but, you know, whatever it is, even if it's just taking some classes at, at a community college, making sure you have a, a little bit of a business background, um, because I do so much with budgeting and finance and, and all of those things um, that I know looking back on the classes that I college, um, those really, really helped me out a lot. It's just the, the things that you, the responsibilities you have that aren't necessarily in the, the front of mind, what you think of facilities management, but they're a huge piece of what you're doing day in and day out. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, you know, like so many things, it's such an, an interesting industry because you can't, can't really learn what we do from a book. Um, you know, th there are so many things that happen in facility management um, that um, me or a member of my staff has never experienced before. And we've all been doing this for years. Um, but, you know, I always heard that you go to law school not to learn to be a lawyer, but to learn to think like a lawyer. And that's kind of really the, the important thing in facility management is I know how to think like a facility manager. I have that mindset. And so it may be a, a problem that I've never seen before, 
but it, it can be similar to a problem I've seen or, or the problem solving process will be similar to something I've been through before. And then I can get to the correct answer. And, and that's a good segue here. Um, you know, thinking like a facilities manager, did you have any mentors as you were going up, uh, you know, through your progression throughout your career that really helped you out and shape that mentality? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely did. Um, you know, Katie Egloff at, at Kennesaw State, she's at Purdue now, um, was, was fantastic. Um, she had worked at UConn um, and she had worked with the athletic director there, Vaughn Williams, um, who is now uh, at a smaller school called Bentley. Um, and both of those were, were mentors for me and, and especially Vaughn. Um, Vaughn had, had worked his way up from doing events and facilities. He'd overseen all of UConn's athletic facilities uh, to an athletic director role. Um, and to kind of see that path um, was really inspiring for me. Um, you know, sometimes our area doesn't get the glory that, that other areas get. Um, and so to see somebody move up um, when um, generally in our field, you'll see somebody from um, fundraising or that external side, that revenue producing side, move up into to an athletic director role was, was really inspiring to me. And, and both of them are uh, fantastic people and really kind of guided me along early in my career. I love that. And, you know, networking is huge. I, I love it. I think it's one of those things, the more people you could add to your network, the further you could go. Um, and with that, do you have any recommendations? You, you alluded to IFMA uh, here earlier. Um, do you have any recommendations as far as uh, different ways to network or different groups to network with? Yeah, you know, IFMA and BOMA, um, which obviously are our standards in our industry, um, there are several that are, are specifically related to sports. IAVM is the International Association of Venue Managers. Um, so that's stadium arenas and convention centers. Um, that's a good one that, uh, for people who are interested in, in the larger facilities and in the entertainment and, and sports facilities, uh, as well as CEFMA, which is the Collegiate Event Facility Managers Association. Um, so that those two are, are, are really good as well. Um, I believe CEFMA actually does a mentorship uh, program right now. Um, and, you know, the thing that, that I would say is, um, you know, you can reach out to people, you know, find their email address, reach out via LinkedIn. I get messages all the time um, from students, mainly in the sports industry, but some that are very interested in, in the facility side as well. Um, and, you know, I remember what it was like. I, I graduated during the recession. It, it was tough. And um, many of us obviously have, have kind of scrapped and clawed to get where we are. Um, and we want to want to bring people along and kind of make that path a little easier. Um, so, you know, my advice to, to any students would be, um, you know, don't be shy. Um, feel free to, to reach out to folks um, because nine times out of 10, they're probably going to respond to you and they're probably going to give you some kind of uh, advice that, that can be uh, carried with you at the very least. You know, um, in the best case scenario, you know, that's that's somebody who um, will either mentor you or someone who's added to your network who maybe their company or their buddy's company is going to have a job uh, and then they're able to make some phone calls on your behalf. Um, so I, I would say don't be shy because so many of us um, remember what it was like to be young and struggling and trying to break into this industry. And uh, we're, we're more than willing to help. Yeah, I, I've seen that countless times. And um, again, go back to my own networking. That That's something where if you just kind of humble yourself and you put yourself out there and ask for the help, you will be surprised how often people will take you up on that and, and you're their wing. And, and that's a, a good point there where you don't have to have experience to join those networking groups or attend those events post COVID, you know, and reach out to people. It's something where, you know, at least from what I've seen, anyone that's even interested uh, has that capability to reach out and, and get that help. No, a hundred percent. And, you know, those 
um, organizations that I mentioned, almost all of them have a student fee and it's um, relatively low, 20, 25 bucks. And, and, you know, of course, I remember what it was like being a student eating pizza and ramen. And I know maybe you don't have 25 bucks, um, but, you know, um, sometimes you, you hear about these professional organizations and you think, and I just don't have 150, 300, 500 bucks to shell out. Um, you know, I, I encourage anybody to check out those student rates because um, they are usually really, really good um, because these organizations certainly understand that, that we want um, the next generation to be involved in this in this industry. And that's a good point, too, speaking of the, the next generation of facilities managers. Um, just from, from your experience and looking ahead, how has the industry changed, one, you know, since you got into it, and two, where do you see it going in the immediate future and then also long term? Yeah, you know, I mean, technology has obviously just changed um, so much. Um, and, you know, you, you think about, um, you know, IoT and, and things like that and, and think about, you know, if you know nothing about facilities management, um, you know, a smart house and how far a, a smart house has come in, um, in the past 10 years and in the past five years. Um, and then imagine that on the commercial side. Imagine uh, the things that I can do in a $60 million complex just from my phone. Um, so the, the technology side is, is so incredible and has obviously really helped us. Um, and then with that technology, um, we've kind of been able to um, together aggregate data and, and analyze that data and look for trends. Um, you know, in the old days, um, and by old days, I mean, even when I, when I started working in, in 2011, um, you had your yellow legal pad and, and you made notes and, and, and you you know, maybe your notes got lost. Maybe um, somebody spilled coffee on your desk and they got destroyed and, and then you didn't have them anymore. Um, and that's just, that's not the case anymore. There, there's so much out there um, that you're able to track from a data perspective that has really, really changed the industry. Um, you know, it, it, I kind of liken it. Obviously, I work in sports um, to Moneyball and to, to data analytics and in sports. Obviously, we've seen sabermetrics and things like that get really, really big. Um, in, in the sports field lately. And that's sort of where we're going in facilities management is we're using data analytics um, to make our buildings more efficient, more sustainable, uh, and do all of those things and just um, make our lives as facility managers easier and make, uh, make our people, whether that's uh, for me, players and staff members, or if it's someone who, who runs an apartment building, tenants, to make their lives easier uh, through technology. Yeah. And that's, you can see it across the board, right? Where technology is constantly improving. And um, it's very interesting to see, uh, to your point, that the transition just in the last decade uh, in facilities management going from that manual process to uh, now having technology being able to automate a lot of these processes. And uh, to your point, uh, collecting that data and using that data as you move forward. So um, absolutely love hearing that. You know, so wrapping up here, as you continue to, to look forward, uh, obviously trying to improve your own skill sets, uh, what are you currently doing? What are you reading right now or listening to to uh, you know, stay on top of your game for facilities management? Yeah, um, you know, obviously um, you get a little busy taking doctoral classes. Um, so I, I'm not as, uh, um, as up on my facility management reading as, as I should be lately. Um, one, one of the most recent books that I read was, was Good Company, written by Arthur Blank. Um, and, um, you know, if you're, you're unfamiliar with, with Arthur, he owns Atlanta United and the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, he founded Home Depot. Um, and so while not a facility manager, obviously, um, every facility manager in the world shops at Home Depot. Um, and there are so many lessons in that book um, about management and treating people um, that really translate into facility management. 
Um, and Arthur talks about Mercedes-Benz Stadium in there, um, where Atlanta United and the Atlanta Falcons play, and some of the decisions that were made there um, that maybe weren't the most cost-effective, but were the most fan-friendly and fan-effective. Um, and so that that was a, a really wonderful read. Um, and, you know, that, that's a great book on, on leadership um, that has a lot of facility management ties into it. Um, and then, um, like, like I've mentioned a few times, I'm, I'm heavily involved with, with IFM Atlanta. Things, of course, have, have cooled during the, um, during the pandemic here. Um, but prior to, um, we were hosting a, a number of um, lunch and learns and things like that. I'm on our young professional uh, committee and uh, we, we were uh, really pushing lunch and learns and, and things like that. Um, so, so once again, you know, just staying involved um, and with those things, I learn as much from, from other people in the room as I do from the presenter and, you know, building the network and, and all the things that you and I have talked about, Griffin. Absolutely. And Arthur Blank is a, a great person to, to follow uh, right there. He's been uh, quite successful throughout his life, I would say. Um, but Luke, I certainly appreciate the time. Uh, before I let you go, any last uh, tidbits or, or takeaways that uh, our audience could hear? Um. You know, just that, that obviously this is a, a tough time for, for everybody in our field. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a tough time for, for everybody, um, but particularly with what we do, it, it, it's difficult. Um, and, you know, that, that can be hard. I mean, the, the toughest thing about, you know, a, a facility management and, and event management is that you don't really have metrics. I mean, of course, I, I work in sports. We've talked about stats. You, you win or you lose. Somebody scores or they don't. Um, and w- in our field, Marketing attracts 50,000 people to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and that's a great day. Ticket sales sell X amount of tickets, and, and that's fantastic. Um, same thing with, with corporate partnerships. They can say, we sold this much a day. Um, for me, and, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, a good day is, is no one got injured and the building didn't burn down. Um, because in, in our field, we're kind of like, like a referee. Um, you, know, you often hear, uh, baseball is a great example, that, that you only notice the umpire when he's having a bad day. And... That's sort of what we are, is you only see us when, when, when we're having a, a bad day or when things aren't going good. Um, and during a pandemic, that can be really difficult um, because, you know, a, a, as great as things are here with United, most facility managers are having more bad days than good days because of what's going on right now. Um, and so, you know, I, I would just encourage everybody to, to keep your head up the best that you can and, and know that. Um, our work is appreciated. And, um, you know, I, I think if there's going to be a silver lining of this pandemic. Um, they're going to see that, that essential workers like facility managers, like people who run events are, um, are, are really appreciated. And I think that um, we're going to see a big shift coming out of the pandemic in our field as far as appreciation and gratitude goes. And, and I'm really looking forward to that. Not that it's been terrible any place that I've been, but I know on the whole, that's kind of the stigma that it's a, a thankless job. Um, and I've heard from some other facility managers that they're not getting you know, a lot of recognition right now, um, but I really think that, that this pandemic is going to change that um, that whole stigma for the industry. Yeah, and I would agree with you there where, you know, hopefully here in the near future, um, you know, that is going to be brought to light. And I am excited to see where the industry goes. And, you know, folks like yourself, that are, uh, you know, mentoring people, very involved in the community. Uh, you know, I love speaking with folks like yourself and certainly appreciate the time today, Luke. Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and visit our website, stratumcommunity.com for more facilities management content.